Acts chapter 27 to understand the exact context. And Paul also thanks for bread. Acts chapter 27, we'll start at verse 13. Paul and Luke, together with other prisoners, are on a ship on their way to Rome. Here we read, When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euryclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we should be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have sailed from Crete, and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. But when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, 
but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the main sail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. Now the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we just read of a very wild storm. We read through the verses, and as you were reading, you could get a, a sense of the, the emergency of the situation. They were without hope, humanly speaking. They thought it all was, was lost and they could never be saved. In the midst of that darkness of night and storm, uh, we also read of how the Lord intervened and spoke to Paul of his plan to save him. Paul would certainly appear before Caesar. And so Paul, the apostle, together with Luke, were of the certain conviction that God would fulfill his plan. It's in these extreme circumstances that we, that we read together, you could, you could imagine together, all the details were given, that we read that the apostle, it's in verse 35, he, he gave thanks to God before he began to eat the bread that was in his hand. It's a humbling and a convicting revelation of the Holy Spirit for those of us who often feel that we're too busy to give thanks to God before we eat, or who shy away from giving thanks in public places. It's also a particularly important picture to help guide our thoughts and prayers as we gather together as God's people on Thanksgiving Day. As the storm raged around them all, and the only hope rested in the promise from God Paul imitates our Lord Jesus at the feeding of the 5,000 and thanks God for the bread he was about to eat. This thanksgiving heart is a blessing that God gives all Christians who receive Christ's righteousness as their own. It's a beautiful image to keep in your mind every time God places something into your life. And I preach to you this gospel that God gives His children thanksgiving hearts, even in the storms, and hearts that recognize the giver and receive the gifts. So we reflect and think about what Paul was doing. Acts 27, verse 35. We read that it says he gave thanks to God. It doesn't specifically say what he said to the Lord. But we know that the direction of his words was toward heaven, toward the Lord who sustains and keeps everyone. It was, in this sense, a confession of faith in which he revealed that God is almighty, that God is sovereign, that God governs all things by his providence, and that God alone can give us what we need. 
It's like we sang in Psalms 104 and Psalm 145. Every creature looks to the Lord for food. And when He gives it to us in our proper time, that food uh, needs, we look to the Lord to bless the food in our lives. That's Psalm 127. So by giving thanks to God, Paul was acknowledging that although so many things could have gone differently in the midst of that wild storm to prevent it, God had been gracious to ensure that there was still sufficient wheat on board, that all the 276 persons in the ship were able to eat enough. We reflect on that, giving thanks to God for a piece of food in our hand, or whatever other gift that God may give you, is also giving thanks to, for His providential care to, to bring it to you. We give thanks today for soil, good soil here. We give thanks to God for healthy seeds, for rain in its time, for strength for the harvesters, for the means of transportation that brings the, 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 the wheat from the fields to the bread in our hands. We give thanks to God for sufficient means to purchase and life in our bodies to take it in our hand. When you think about that, children, often before you, you eat, your parents may have taught you to, to first pray, Lord, thank you for this food and drink. And you're thanking the Lord for everything that brought, that made it possible for you to have that piece of bread in your hand. These are the many things we think of also on Thanksgiving Day. Now Paul gave thanks to God for the food in the context that we read, in the context of the mission, the announcement that God had given that he would appear before Caesar. You can see that he, he explains that, that the bread that God provided was necessary for strength. Look at verse 34. It was something that they needed for survival. It was thanks to God in the context of God's promise to bring complete deliverance. For God's servants, the fact that there was bread to eat to sustain them was evidence that God intended to keep His promise that Paul would stand before Caesar. The thanksgiving hearts of God's children see that connection between the gifts that God gives and their calling in this life. In John 4, the Lord Jesus brings the two ideas together when He says that my food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. A simple thanksgiving prayer is also thanksgiving for the ability to do what God gives us to do. Everything that God places in our lives, whether they be experiences, or material things that we might like or we might not like so much. It's all given to us to be used with God's will, God's purpose in mind. Christians who give thanks in all circumstances understand that, that God cares for us in the race of our lives. Like a cross-country running coach cares for the runner on the course. With every gift of water and every command to speed up or command to slow down and, and pace yourself, everything is intended to help you reach the destination. When we have a, a piece of bread 
in our hand, a piece of food in our hand, and, and we give thanks to God. We see that, that God is giving us gifts to equip us for the task that He has given to us. And God makes us face many different things in this life of pilgrimage. Paul speaks about that in Philippians 4, from plenty to hunger, from abundance to need. We can think of our own lives sometimes, times of our lives we are very comfortable. Other times we're facing the purifying trials of fire. God gives us all these different situations in order that we might be strengthened by Him for the calling we have received to serve Him in our mandate as believers in the world. Everything that our Heavenly Father gives to us is good. It's useful to equip us for service in His kingdom. And so we pray, giving thanks to God for whatever He gives to us. And yet, it's necessary for God's children to be very discerning. Because beside the Father's good gifts, we can expect to encounter offers from another so-called giver, who is the evil one, who gives temptations to sin against God, so that he might take us away from our calling. Acts 27, verse 35, tells us that Paul's prayer of thanks happened between taking the bread and breaking it and beginning to eat. And when we compare what Paul wrote about judging whether something was valuable and good for us based on whether or not we can thank God for it. We can read about that in Romans 4 or 1 Timothy 4, for example. It's noteworthy that Paul did not eat the bread until after he had given thanks. It's like Paul was, was making sure that the gift was from God by giving thanks to God for it until he could ask God to bless it and give thanks to God for it, he did not eat it. It's a good practice for us today as well, especially in a world so full of temptations, so full of opportunities, so full of things that we can consume. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 24. And yet the world is full of those who twist God's gifts. So many gifts that God created good have been genetically altered or, or twisted, that at best they actually don't give us what we need to do our mandate in the world. They cloud our calling. And at worst, they actually cause harm to us and our neighbors. Not everything we have access to is helpful, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 23 and 24. There are things that God has forbidden His children from, from participating in because they are harmful for others. And if you open your Bibles with me, you can, you can see these warnings coming to us in Proverbs chapter 23. The book of Proverbs chapter 23 shows uh, what it is like to interact with gifts that come from different places. If you look at Proverbs 23, verses 1 to 3, if you have it open in front of you, you can see that there's a, a warning. It says, consider carefully what is before you, verse 1. And then there's a warning. Put a knife to your throat if you are 
a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. The Lord is teaching us, and if you look at verses 19 to, to 21 again, there are consumables that negatively impact our worship, our ability to worship God. There are, are things that we might be able to eat or drink that cause envy or gluttony. And then at the end, verses 25 or 20, 29 to 35, at the end, again, there's that warning about wine and alcohol that sparkles in the cup when it swirls around smoothly, and yet it causes a, a drunkenness. You see strange things. Something that was in the hand, but it was not something you say, thanks to God, this will help me in my task. And if you continue to look at the same chapter, verses 5 to uh, 8, it speaks of different kinds of businessmen, different kinds of opportunities. And it reminds us that there are business opportunities among the stingy that may be able to make us money, but are nothing more than temptations that feed on our greed. There are ways to invest the material blessings that God has given to us that do not please Him. And then also in verses 26 and 27, we're warned that there are relationships that may make us feel good for a time, but can lead us away from God to our eternal death. Well, thankfully, as we see these gifts and opportunities come into our lives, we also have God's commandments, the Ten Commandments that we read every Sunday again, so that we can understand what purpose the gifts that He gives serves in our lives, so that we can distinguish the gifts that come from God from the temptations of another so-called giver who is really a taker that is causing harm to us along the way. The one who is not the coach giving us what we need for the race, but the enemy who's trying to trip us, to make us fall. When we are in the habit of giving thanks to God after receiving a gift and asking Him to bless the things we are grateful for before we make use of the gift, it helps us to be conscientious about what we are doing, what we are hoping to achieve with the things that are in our hands, whether they be um, physical things or experiences. Christians are not passive recipients of, of whatever is placed in our lives. But rather, says Paul, these things are created so that they might be received with thanksgiving. God gives His children thanksgiving hearts that receive God's gifts with thanksgiving. First Timothy 4, verse 13. It's where God explains that He created good things in our lives to be received with thanksgiving. And with the words, with thanksgiving, Paul is indicating that receiving God's gifts requires some action on our part. Beginning with the obvious action of saying thank you to the Lord. This is something we already teach our children to do. Children can think of the time when their parents said, before you eat, you need to fold your hands and say, Lord, bless this food and drink for Jesus' sake. Amen. Or they say, Lord, thank you for this food and drink. That's the word expressing 
that deep and profound understanding that everything we have is a gift from God. And then as you get older, you also may have started to pray about using the food and drink for the purpose that God has intended for it. Perhaps you were praying something like, thank you for this food. I know it's no use to me without your blessing. May it be used to give me strength so that I can serve you faithfully in the task you have given to me. May I use this as you intended it. Now you might wonder why start with a child's prayer. That child's prayer expresses an understanding that is deep and profound. Understanding of life that we saw in in the life of our Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul receiving all that God gives to us with thankfulness is a joyful expression of our faith in God's purposes. God's commitment to us by giving us a gift to help us in our tasks. It's an expression of our desire to use the blessing that God has given in obedience to the God who gives it to us and to do so with thanksgiving. You see everything you have in your life, whether physical things or or opportunities, with this perspective. And you understand that that we are called to to consecrate what we have received to the service of God. If God gives us health or wealth, He gives us sickness or poverty, He gives it to us with the calling to use it to do His kingdom work. This applies to everything that God has given to us, whether we enjoy it or not. Now if we go back to that ship in the middle of the storm, and we think about the, the bread that was in Paul's hand that he gave thanks to, the bread that was made with wheat on a ship that was in the middle of a terrible storm, we can probably conclude that it was not a very high-quality bread, that fluffy kind that we like so much. The bread that Paul received with thanksgiving may not have been his favorite. However, the reason for receiving God's gift with thanks is not found in whether we like the gift or not, but we give thanks because we trust that God knows best how to give us the gifts that will serve Him. If Paul turned up his nose at the bread that God had given to him at this time because he didn't like how it tasted, like some entitled children might do. It would not have been just ungrateful, but it also would have been a declaration that he thought he knew better than God what he needed. Not only that, but it would also have been a rejection of the calling that God had given him that went along with the bread. Now that same rule applies on a bigger scale on all the things that we face in this life. When we turn up our nose at what God has given to us, we need to think about the implications of what we are saying. Our Lord Jesus showed us the proper Christ-like, the the righteous behavior when He Himself, knowing what He was going to face in Jerusalem, He resolutely faced His suffering, there to drink the cup of God's wrath for us and in our place. 
when we proudly turn down the things that God has decided to place in our lives because we don't like it. We show that we think we are wiser than God. And that's how we create a, the breeding ground for a very bitter life. There's a very good reason that Christian parents teach their children to eat whatever is placed in front of them because it is healthy. It will help them to complete the task that's given to them. It will help them to, to do their schoolwork well, to have a clear mind, to be able to interact with pleasantness to those around them. Now, this small thing prepares children to have the right attitude when dealing with the much bigger challenges that God may place on our paths, that they will have to learn to receive with thanksgiving. And as we think about that as adults of all different ages, we know that often the Lord continues to tell us to eat whatever is on our plate because it's for His glory. And so we can conclude with Paul in Philippians 4, verse 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am, I am in to be content. The next thing we can learn about receiving God's gifts with thanksgiving comes from careful reflection on the fact that Paul gave thanks to the Lord for that piece of bread, and we read it, in the presence of them all. He received the gift of God. He, he recognized that it was from the Lord for the purpose He had given to him, even if it wasn't his most favorite bread. And he did so publicly, giving thanks to God, displaying how God changes our hearts to want to magnify the name of the Lord. He knew it was a good gift since he had given thanks to God for it. Well, when we let the world know who has given us our crops, our businesses, our home, our food. We testify to the blessing of belonging to the almighty and sovereign God who cares for us in His providence. We realize what a blessing it is to be able to call that Creator our Father in Jesus Christ. Receiving all things that God gives to us with thanksgiving is a public act of praise to God which our Lord Jesus Himself showed when He prayed to God out loud. And He explained, in order that those around might know Your power and give glory to Your name. Our prayers declare to the world that the Lord God Almighty is able to provide us with what we need to worship Him and that our Heavenly Father wants to care for us on this journey of life. So it is our prayer when we receive the gifts, when we give thanks, when we meet together on a Thanksgiving day in public worship, that the world might know that in whatever we do, in word or deed, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The blessing of receiving God's gifts with thanksgiving that blessing allows us to enjoy what God has given to us without any shame or guilt. All the possessions 
we have, the, the food that we eat, the opportunities in our lives, the, the, the experiences that we have. We, we can say, I have thanked God for this because I have seen it in connection with my calling in this life and therefore I can enjoy it fully. It is something He has given to me to serve Him. And we can say to our conscience, we can say to anyone around us what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 30, If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. That piece of bread on the wrecking ship gave strength to the sailors when they understood it was from God who wanted them to have strength because he was planning to spare their lives for the sake of his servant, the Apostle Paul. It was an encouragement to them. It was an evidence of of the Lord walking beside them, accompanying them in their journey. If they had bread, if they had what they needed, it was because God was continuing to walk with them. If you are able to receive God's gifts with thanksgiving. It is because He has given you the basic needs of food and shelter and clothing that you need to serve Him faithfully. The thankful heart that God has given us leads us into even more thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving Day is a day to give thanks to God for the bread that we may have in our hands, just like Paul did when he was in the midst of the storm. We give thanks for the harvests. We give thanks for the daily sustenance that we receive. We give thanks for God's ongoing providential care as He accompanies us through the good days and through the difficult days. Yet, we give thanks to God, remembering the words of our Lord Jesus. And now if you'll open your Bibles again and turn back to John 6, after feeding the 5,000 after giving the blessings that the physical blessings that we celebrate today, our Lord Jesus gave some more instruction. John chapter 6. He explains that He is the bread from heaven. Verse 27, He tells us, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set His seal on Him. The Lord Jesus is teaching us to lift our eyes up from everything we have here in this life, from the temporary world, to the eternal blessing. And then if we continue reading in verse 33, He explains, For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And verse 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And then even in verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The good news for us on this Thanksgiving day is that our Lord Jesus Christ has shown perfect thankfulness to God in the place of everyone who believes in Him. He even thanked God for Himself when He instituted the Lord's Supper 
on the, on the, on the Passover night with his disciples. And we read again that he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He took the symbol of his body. And as the, as the church, he gave thanks to God for himself, for his work, the bread of life that's offered to everyone who believes in him. And brothers and sisters, this morning, let's reflect on how much we need him above everything else in this world. The food that does not perish. The food that gives life to the dead. The food that can be enjoyed, whether we are healthy or not, or rich or poor, comfortable or uncomfortable. It's the bread that is our thanksgiving before God. And when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, when we unite ourselves to Him, the the true bread from heaven, the bread of life, then we understand that overwhelming feeling of thanksgiving that fills our hearts and affects the way we see every single gift that God has given, for it is for His glory. Amen. Let's now join together in prayer. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, You have worked thanksgiving in our hearts. For you have opened our eyes to see Jesus Christ, the bread from heaven, your Son, whom you sent into the world. Rescue us not just from temporary discomforts, fears, but from sin, the punishment we deserve because of our sins. Lord God, we thank you for nourishing and refreshing our souls by saving us from the cause of an eternal hunger and misery, which is sin, and giving us new life in your kingdom. Lord God, we thank you that you have made us citizens of an eternal kingdom, so that when we gather together on this Thanksgiving day, we do so with a clear purpose in our mind, O Lord, to, to glorify you. And then we also see, O Lord, the gifts that you give us along the way. Some that we like and enjoy, some that are more difficult for us. We see, O Lord, how you are accompanying us in all things to prepare us, to shape us, to mold us, to equip us to serve you faithfully in our daily tasks. Lord, we ask that you will grant us much discernment. We live in a time when there is there are so many opportunities, so many temptations that are placed before us, so many things that are given to us not to strengthen us but to deceive us. And we ask that you will Help us, O Lord, to be discerning. Help us to think carefully about the gifts we receive, the opportunities in our lives. Help us to give thanks to you for the gifts that you give to us, to understand that they are meant for your glory. We praise you, O Lord, that we may have the the opportunity to meet together in this beautiful building on this Thanksgiving day without fear of persecution in a 
place where there is peace. You know, at this time, as we, we again hear of new conflicts in the Middle East, we continue to think of the, the wars in Eastern Europe and Russia, the many, many, the, 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 the violence, so much violence that we see also in the places in Africa. Lord, we are reminded again of what a rich privilege it is for us to live in a place where there is peace, where we can worship you without fear of this persecution. And we thank you, Father, that as we seek to serve you as citizens in the kingdom of heaven, eternal kingdom, you also grant us what we need to for our, our physical needs, that you give us shelter and food and clothing. We thank you, O Lord, for blessing all those who are involved in, in preparing these things for us, who work at as farmers. We thank you for a, an abundant harvest this year, especially in our area here in Alberta. We thank you, Father, for the, the growth of the plants and, and the harvest and the distribution of this harvest and the economy which makes it possible for the, the food to come to our tables. We thank you, Lord, for all those who are have been able to continue to serve you in preparing the infrastructure that makes our life so stable and so regular. We thank you, Father, that we are able to also raise our children in the fear of your name, that they may receive from us the insights that you have given to us by opening our eyes to your word. We thank you for the faithful proclamation of the gospel in this congregation, for Reverend Paul's his wife. We thank you, Lord, for all the, the men who serve in the offices of elder and deacons and the, their families that support them. We thank you, Father, for every member of the congregation as they use their different gifts to, to serve and glorify your name. And Father, we thank you that even in the midst of much grieving over the passing away of, of loved ones, members of our congregation, whom we have walked with for so many years in this journey, life that you have given, as we seek to together fulfill our mission, our mandate in this world, Lord, those loved ones you have taken to yourself, we thank you, Lord, that we may grieve in the hope of the resurrection, that we may live with this clear understanding of, of the riches of all that Jesus Christ has obtained for us by his suffering and his death and his resurrection. And we pray that you will continue to equip us as a congregation as we seek to to support one another as we walk through the, the sorrow together. We ask the Lord that you will also bless the proclamation of the gospel as it goes out from this building, goes out from pulpits where your word is faithfully proclaimed. We ask, Lord, that you will grant that it may reach the ears of many who need this comfort, who are called to serve you. We thank you for the harvest of believers and their children as they seek to join in the throng of worshipers before your throne today and forever. Lord, we ask that you will 
continue to give us much wisdom, much joy, much comfort, and much peace as we rest in your promises and the knowledge that you are good and giving and that you grant us what we need to worship you. We ask the Lord that you will also bless our thanksgiving offerings today, the the offerings of of prayer and, and of songs and also our financial gifts, that they may serve the furtherance of your kingdom. We pray these things, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.